Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Scott sent me notes that Steve, check out this story. It's a case that uh, illustrates a point that I think many people don't quite understand, but it's something we should all take a look at. From NBCNews.com, an Oregon rape victim was jailed until she testified against her rapist, says her lawyer. The 20-year-old woman was jailed for nine days after prosecutors asked that she be held as a material witness to ensure that she showed up in court when they wanted her to testify. Tim Stello wrote the story, and the Oregon woman whose rapist was convicted last week was jailed until she testified against him in a rare case of prosecutors compelling a victim to appear in court. Her lawyer acknowledged there were legitimate concerns about whether his client would show up to testify. 20-year-old woman was held for nine days, beginning the first week of September, with a bail set at half a million dollars, an amount that the attorney said was unattainable. Uh, The jury convicted the assailant of multiple crimes one day after the woman provided testimony in the courthouse, and uh, the conviction happened on September 16th. The man was found guilty of a whole slew of crimes uh, that occurred over a seven-month period in 2020 when the woman was 18 years old. Now, the man will be sentenced October 6th, and a judge ordered him to remain in jail without bail until sentencing. The victim was reportedly held against her will by the defendant, and the defendant used weapons, and that's all from court filings as reported by the Associated Press. I'm not going to get heavily into the details of the underlying crime because that's not the point here, okay? So the attorney of hers said that prosecutors asked a judge that she be jailed as a material witness under a state law that allows authorities or defendants to compel testimony from people who are unlikely to appear in court. But you might notice that, wait, jailing somebody is not the same as having them testify. But what happens is there's a court date coming up. And it actually happens once in a while where a victim will come forward and say, you know something, I've changed my mind. I know I called the police. I know I said this person did something. I don't want to testify. Not, they're not saying it didn't happen. They're just saying, I don't want to testify. And you can imagine where there's situations that that might be the case. And it depends on the nature of the crime and the nature of the testimony. But there's all kinds of things that come into play here. We'll talk about them in a second. So the prosecutors who handled the case did not respond to requests for comment. Um, the One of the prosecutors, however, said that The hold was unusual but necessary. Now, the attorney said his client had not been checking in with victims' services officials, and her relatives told the court they were concerned that she wouldn't make it. They are not affirmatively recommending jail, he said. They essentially were saying to the judge that they did not have any confidence in her making it to court, and it would still be a struggle for them to supervise her. So the attorney acknowledged the prosecutors had legitimate concerns, and said he believed they put significant time and thought into how they handled the case. This was really a last resort, balancing the needs of the victim and the needs of the community to have this case resolved. That's the first thing you need to understand. If you are a crime victim and you call the police and say, this person committed a crime, I am the victim. The police come out, do an investigation, decide, yep, that's what happened. They arrest this person, charge them, and it winds up that they're going to be prosecuted for that crime where you were the victim. Understand that the way that case is presented, it is the people of the state of versus the defendant. It's not you. Now, if you sue them, it's you versus them. 
But in a criminal action, it's the state versus them. And by state, I mean the government entity. It could be the United States. Uh, if it's a federal action, it could be the state. So here's the thing. If you were the victim of a crime and the person who committed the crime is being tried, you are a witness in that case. And that is literally what you are. You are a witness. You might say, Steve, but I'm the victim. You're a witness. As far as the court goes, you are a witness. And so when they look at a witness list, you're on there. Now, people might describe you as the victim, but you know we wear many hats in this world. And in our lifetimes, that could be that you are both the victim and the witness in a case. So when the case is proceeding, if you come forward as the victim and say, I've decided I don't want that person prosecuted. Well, that's one vote, but it's the people of the state that are prosecuting this. It's up to them whether they drop charges or not. Now, a lot of times they will say, well, if the complaining witness won't cooperate, then we'll drop the charges. But if they think it's a very serious matter, they might still decide to proceed. Number one, it's possible they could proceed without you. That's always possible. So you're the victim of a crime that was witnessed by three other people. Well, they might not need your testimony, but they might just use the other people's testimony. That might do it. But if you're the only witness and you're the complaining witness because you are the victim and you say, I'm not going to testify, prosecutors then faced with a choice. Do they drop the case because they say, well, we couldn't get a, a, a conviction here without a cooperating witness? Because keep in mind, they can still call you. And so I've heard of cases before somebody said, you know something, I got in a fight with my spouse. Someone called the police. The police showed up and said, do you want to press charges? I said, yes. Later, I changed my mind. In a situation like that, many prosecutors are going to go, you know something? If you're still with that person, then we'll let that slide. Because the fear is that if we drag you in and force you to testify, the odds of that marriage working out are pretty slim. They might be slim right now, but they'll be slimmer then. So there's all kinds of considerations here. But keep in mind that you as the victim are simply a witness. And it's up to the prosecutors or the state to determine whether or not they should pursue this. And keep in mind that they can call you even if you choose not to attend. So you say, I'm not going to testify. Well, they can call you. They can send somebody out and get a warrant for your arrest and drag you into court possibly. It depends. There's a bunch of different things they can do in different states. But it boils down to this. Suppose they put you on the stand. Okay? I'm talking about a hypothetical situation. They put you on the stand and they say, raise your right hand. And you just sit there. And the judge looks at you and goes, are you going to testify? And you don't make a sound. You don't do anything. You just sit there like a bump on a log, as they say. And everybody becomes quite obviously aware of the fact that you aren't going to testify. You're not going to make a sound. The judge can tell you, I'm going to hold you in contempt and jail you until you agree to testify. If you want to, you can continue sitting there like a bump on a log. They can then take you to jail and leave you there until you change your mind. There are famous examples of people who spent months and months and months in jail because they refused to testify. And there have been examples where somebody's changed their mind after spending two or three months behind bars. Other people have said, you know something, Judge? Let's see. I bet I can outlast you. And I've actually seen it where somebody spent so much time in jail that everyone said it's a waste of time, let the person go. And they just spent six months in jail to prove a point. So you can do that. But... They also know that the average person who says, I changed my mind, I don't want to testify, when confronted with a subpoena that says, if you don't testify, you'll be held in contempt, could go to jail, 
many people will testify. However, the other thing for them to weigh is if somebody says, I don't want to testify, and I'm scared. I'm scared. They say, we're going to make you testify anyways. I don't want to testify. Well, here's a subpoena. If you don't show up, you'll be held in contempt. You show up. Prosecutors still got to look at you and say, is this person going to be able to get their story across to a jury? Or can we get their story across to a jury despite the fact that they're not enthusiastic about it? I'm being kind with that word. So you have a witness who's uncooperative, unenthused, doesn't want to be there. Tell us what happened. I don't know. What, what, what do you mean? You know, and so I've had people ask me about the concept of a hostile witness. And a hostile witness may or may not fit here, but I'm going to explain it anyways. Because if I call somebody to testify who doesn't want to cooperate, and I say, uh, state your name for the record, they say it, I say, where were you last Thursday? I don't know. Well, if I called you as a witness, I'm not supposed to be able to ask you leading questions until I can prove that it's necessary. So I can say, Your Honor, I believe this witness is going to be hostile, meaning that they are not going to try to help me. Therefore, I'd like to ask leading questions. May I do so, Your Honor? If the judge says yes, I can then say, isn't it true last Thursday you were at the mall at 14 Mile and John R.? Is that not true? Yes or no? Now, if they don't want to answer the yes or no question, the judge is going to look at them and say, excuse me, you need to answer that question. And I can do that with leading questions. But many people know that getting information from somebody with leading questions is not as impressive to a juror as somebody who gets up and tells it in narrative form, putting in all the details they can, trying to explain what happened to them. So that's another concern. Uh, the attorney said he asked for less restrictive measures, including possibly an ankle monitor uh, and a commitment from her mother and older sister. They would keep a line of sight on her, but the court felt it wouldn't be sufficient. The attorney said, noting the judge sided with the district attorney's office that thought that she was a no-show risk. Not a flight risk, but that she wouldn't show the attorney said his client, meanwhile, saw jail as draconian and overly intrusive. The attorney said that in his 25 years of practicing law, that's cute, <laughs> I'm just kidding, he could only think of a handful of cases in which witnesses were compelled to testify. And only one of those cases was a witness, a victim, he said. It's one of those tough calls, the rights of the victim to be left alone versus the right of the state to prosecute crimes. And I'm joking, he's been practicing for 25 years, I've been practicing for 31. Once you get to about 10 years, you've hit your stride. So, But he does point out that, that he's not necessarily even faulting them for what happened. Because he said it's one of those tough calls, the rights of the victim versus the right of the state. And so the victim does have the right to, you know, try to get by as best they can and say, I'd prefer not to testify. But the state's got the right to say, well, we can compel you to testify because there's been a crime committed against somebody in this state. It's our job to prosecute those crimes. And now I know that many people are going to say, but Steve, if you play this out all the way to the end, it's a game of chess. Think eight moves ahead. What could happen down the road if somebody is victimized like this and they remember this story. And they go, wait a second. The second I pick up that phone and call the police, I could get drawn into a system where if I change my mind, I can't get out. And I could wind up in jail simply because they fear I might not testify against the person who did this to me. And that's a real concern also. So that's part of the balance of all of this. Uh, the only thing I'm curious about, and the story does not address it, 
And I'm curious to know if the victim, who was held in jail for nine days, but then testified, uh, how she feels now, because the man was found guilty of what appears to be one, two, three, four, five, six different crimes. And a bunch of them are big ones. And it sounds like he could be going away to jail, prison, for a long time. A long time. And I'm curious to know, if you were to ask this woman after the sentencing, if she shows up for the sentencing and speaks at the sentencing, but after this man is sentenced and sent away, if you ask her then two questions, if you'd known this was going to be the result, would you have let them know more aggressively that you would be in court? And number two, now that you know that he's going away for that length of time and it cost you nine days in jail, how's that balance out for you? How do you feel about that? I'd be curious to know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know that some people would be on a matter of principle. If you put me in jail for one second when I'm the victim, that's wrong. And I can understand that completely. But I also know that some young people, uh, and the, again, the victim here is 20, some young people uh, don't quite always have all of the insight they'll have later in life. And I can tell you that I had things happen to me when I was 20, 25 even, where at the time I felt were the injustices of the century. And then later on, I thought to myself, you know something? That's not exactly how I feel about it now with some hindsight and some wisdom I've gained over the years. So I'm not speaking for her. And, and her attorney says it was draconian, and I, I can see how she feels that way. And I don't fault her for thinking that at all. I am simply curious uh, whether she'll feel any differently after the man is sentenced. That's all I'm asking. But it is, it is a crazy case because I've heard of stories where they dropped the charges because the complaining witness didn't want to testify. And the prosecutor said, well, in that case, we're not going to proceed. I've also heard where they have said to somebody, if you don't testify, we're still going to proceed and we're going to drag you in your kicking and screaming. And I've heard once or twice, once or twice of witnesses being held like this, but quite often it's like material witnesses in a mob case. There's a criminal organization on trial and people are legitimately fearful that they're going to get whacked before or after they testify. And so some people don't want to testify and some people want to disappear before the trial. And so some people do wind up being held and, and then they testify. So it's a crazy case, but from NBCNews.com, Scott sent it to me, Tim Stella wrote it, an Oregon rape victim was jailed until she testified against her rapist. And that's according to the lawyer, but that does appear to be what happened. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Sometimes the road less traveled is less traveled for a reason.